0: And I say with my Lord Jesus that I must be about my father's business. Thank you for giving me your insight into my kingdom success. In Jesus' name, I pray expecting. Amen. Now say this with me. I am a believer of the word of God. I am an epistle of the spirit of God. I am a disciple of my man of God. I am a finder of the destiny path of God for my life. Just want to thank God for each and every one of you that's with us online, uh, watching either on Facebook or YouTube. We certainly are glad that uh, we have the capacity um, to connect with you through this time that we have together. I was certainly I uh, enjoyed the word from this past weekend with Pastor Linda Butler and the fact that we have technology like this that allows us to connect with you even when you're not here with us. However, technology itself is no substitute for the tangible presence of a one-on-one engagement or experiencing personally the difference of destiny. So we want to continue to invite you out to connect with us in the things that you have called that we're called to do here and that you would be blessed we'll have some more uh comments for you at the end of our service and so we want to just continue to challenge you to come be a part of us part with us get your notebook out take notes um let god speak to you i'm believing that there'll be things that you'll hear that'll just be a blessing to you amen all right so as we continue on with our series on dynamics of destiny relationships we have been um we have four objectives we want to just remind you of number one we said is to illuminate the basic power of relationships especially relationships that are developed for the purpose of glorifying god Two, to elaborate on the love connection as the key to empowering relationships the principles upon which relationships consist and by which they are maintained and enhanced to differentiate the various types of spiritual social and natural and social relationships and their purpose for being from God's perspective and then finally number 4 to motivate you to be more intentional in your relational roles at every level for relational success and we're specifically now talking about the dynamics of the parent child relationships and how those how it that relationship has to grow over time even relationships where you stay the same have to grow and change right When you say "I do" to a person in terms of marriage, you're not just marrying that person as they are now. You're marrying their history and their future. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna go back and reteach the marriage thing, but when you marry, then you've got all of the people. I was gonna say you got all of the people that they slept with, but that might be too much detail. I'm just saying. But you also, you, you're marrying them at a point in time, but they're not going to stay the same way that they are. You have to re-up, you know, in the military, right, you have a tour of duty, you sign up for a commission, and then at the end of it, they you have to re-up, re-enlist to continue on. Marriage is like that. Well, this parenting thing is also a thing where you have to re-up because... That that thing, even the covenant dynamics change over time. What's good in one phase bec- what what's good mothering at one point can become smothering at a later point. So we want to talk through those dynamics. Ephesians 5, five thirty um, one, and all the way down through chapter six, verse four has been our core scripture. And it says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. I've also given you Colossians 3, 20 and 21. Ephesians and Colossians have some kind of parallel scriptures there, so but each one gives a nuance. And verse 20 and 21 says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And so... Um, it's not just that you make them angry but you can also break their spirit and um i have so many times seen um fathers some well-meaning and some just well mean (laughs) who um do things and say things and because they can't control themselves they do damage that they cannot repair and then they damage relationships but the damaged relationship doesn't start later when they don't when the kids say I don't want no parts of you that started when it was in the house and they were making up in their mind as soon as I get grown right because all of us when we were kids, said there's things that mom or mom and dad make me do now that when I get grown, I am I'm not doing that no more. How many of us made decisions like that when we couldn't, we were making decisions in our now for later? Right? right. And so why do we think we're making decisions? We made decisions like that, and our kids aren't making those same decisions now. Right? The Lord told me, he said, listen, he said, listen, son, you're trying to fix, I am talking to the Lord, I was on vacation, talking to the Lord about I need more youth, I need more young people, I need more young adults. And he said, listen, yeah, yeah, you need new ones to come in, but you got a problem because people are in the service being being trained properly by parents to be here, but because you haven't won the hearts of those children, they're already making decisions that when they get grown, they're not gonna do what they're being forced to do right now. And so he said. You got a problem not when they get grown. You got a problem when their parents are still making them come, but they haven't internalized it. It's, it's important for them to come. They haven't figured out the need themselves. And there has to be in this dynamic of, of growing a child to that adult phase, a time when, when it's not just because I told you, you got to do it. What we have to do is begin to say now you're of age I got to teach you not just the what's but the why's and not only do I have to while I can still make you I got to ask you and some parents ain't comfortable with that they only know one style because all they got in their toolkit is a hammer all right and so all right so we gave you a list of these eight perspectives on parent-child relationships and we've been walking our way through this list we're we're really about at that halfway point so let's look up that that list here that we gave you eight perspectives of parent-child relationships we're actually finishing out number five and then we're going into number six so we talked about children in the eternal plan of god we talked about the fact that children exist inside of you before they exist inside of a womb, right? That the spirit of that child is with God and then God deposits them in the flesh of a father and mother. Then we talk about children in the womb. For us, life begins even before the womb so you don't get the chance to abort it at the womb, right? Then we talked about babes and sucklings, young children, right? The fact that Jesus' parents brought him to church. If they didn't bring him to church and circumcise him and dedicate him, if they didn't protect him from from Herod, the whole plan of God could have been destroyed. Then we talked about young children, right? Um, that we are providing, that we're guiding, that we're directing, and we're correcting, and we're trying to crush acorns now so that we don't cut down oak trees later, right? It's not funny when little Johnny is disrespectful, right? It's not little. It's not funny if. Uh, You know, if little Jack hits you when he's four, because when he starts pumping iron at 14, that hit's gonna look, it's gonna be a lot harder. So you fix that right now while you can easily get your hands around that and you make sure he don't ever try that. There's something inside me. My dad's been in heaven since 1985, but there's something inside of me that tells me if I was to rise up on my mama, somehow I still kind of believe that somehow daddy would some, find some way to flex on me. It's kind of ingrained in me, right? Now, I know he's in heaven and he ain't coming back, but shh. there was something that he put inside of me in terms of discipline that makes me just a little nervous every time I think about doing certain things okay right so that's that young children then number five this is where we've been talking about this transition in children to adulthood and what I what what I my big concern with this phase is in this phase you can't demand you got to do less demanding and more asking on the front end you got to do some demanding but then you also got to let go right that's why the Bible says the rod and reproof reproof means you're talking to correct you're talking to correct let me say it again you're talking to correct and you have to have a relationship where conversation is the primary mode of correction and there's some people some parents don't conversate all they know how to do is fuss zero to ten We go from not being able to to and in the transition mode, and and listen, there's nothing wrong. But when I get to this phase, I have to learn to let the reins go before they before I have no ability to influence. So we got to have more that's why part of the proverbs when it starts talking about a young man it starts to say you see the parent pleading with the son please listen to my words please i'm not trying to save myself i'm trying to save you from buying lessons i already paid for okay i'm trying to make sure that you get those things so that's why this one is so important and And here's the other part of this that we really talked about was parents, you got to spend time to check how he gets, you got to grade him. Because when we get down to the point of inheritance, what you don't want is, you know, you start giving them stuff, and then they start blowing your stuff, and then they hit, and you hit too. But you can figure that out early on and see traits and begin to make adjustments all right so that was five six is shifting towards marriage and multiply family seven is elderly and ailing parents of adult children and then eight is planning and preparing for children beyond your lifetime all right so let's get down we were in This phase here where we were talking about transitioning from childhood, children to adulthood, we talked about um, our scripture and just reference it, Isaiah 9 and 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. We talked about the fact that in the early childhood phase, the energy is around putting discipline, correction, this is their things that we do in the Johnson household. You know, my dad was real clear, there's only one man up in here. <laughs> when you think you're man enough to really do your thing, you might have to do that thing someplace else. As for me in my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Okay. But after a certain point, I start to feel myself, I start to smell myself, I start to start to get. Wise in my own eyes, I start to think I'm as smart as my dad, and I go through all of those phases, and all of those things happen, and they are a natural part. And I and the parent can get so angry in that that they can react out of wrath, and then they can destroy the thing that they're actually created by God to develop. And then they send out wounded warriors into a world that is not going to be mean. They need all of the fight God gave them to deal with the world we face. So we got to be careful. Listen, listen. I tell them, listen, listen, listen. I don't I don't want to turn the lion into a pussy cat. I just want to tame the tiger. I don't want him to destroy because if he becomes too wild, they put him in cages. And we have a a system that's designed and expert at grabbing our young sons and our young daughters and putting them in cages. One of the real challenges that we face with the language of our world Like, I'm not mad at people who don't look like me or share my, the richness of my melanin tan. I'm not angry, right? I I can't say that every person who has a specific political perspective is racist. I can't say that. Okay? Um, And I certainly can't say, as a pastor who knows history, that everybody that doesn't look like me has it in for me. Because there were people who risked their life and their liberty. Right? You can't have an underground railroad if somebody's not above the ground passing folks through. Right? I, I get the Harriet Tubman, but there were some white folks along that journey. Do not get it twisted. Right? Go back and do your history search so you don't look thinking everybody's against you. But if you if my if my brethren who are Caucasian think nobody's against me and that I should get over it, then they not being realistic neither. Because it's a problem when see the reason that I can't hate people is because they are made in the image of God. Imago Day Day is the is the is the way that's that, that's said in Latin. The image of God, the image of deity is on humanity. So when one of theirs saw a young man, a young Christian man parenting who grabs a plane, does all kinds of stuff, and crashes it. Oh, my God. And listen, his parents seem like really nice people, really nice family. Oh, he's sick and all of this. But the language that's described about us is, okay, rapists, terrorists, so on. But these people are sick when it's, when it's black people and it's crack, oh, my God, they just lock them up. But when it's an opioid addiction with people that look like them, then we have a completely different language. So I can't allow, I can't allow my sons to be broken. I can't send them into a world that's hostile against them and have them broken from home. I can't afford that. They need all of the fight they got. I gotta teach them how to fight, right? But to send them out into the world. You know, a few months, a few weeks ago, I think it was back in June, right? We heard the whole thing that came out of the White House. And I said, I said the name Amarosa in one of my messages. Y'all remember I said that? I, I said that. I, I want to find that clip and put it out there. Help me, media team. Because I said this month, I said it a couple months ago, you thought that just because you was there, like that's, that's what Mordecai told Esther, just because you in the palace, if they come in for one of us, they come in for all of us, and they come in for you too. I can't think just because I live in a really nice house in a really nice neighborhood that have cop listen, I have been caught driving while black I just knew how not to escalate the situation and how to pray. God, let, don't let this man who's putting words in my mouth and talking to me in ways that, that if he goes off, that he could pull a gun and I'm shot. God, let me get out of this. He didn't care that I had a degree from the University of Michigan, and I had been to Agape Faith Bible Training Center. He did not care. Because there's words and pictures in people's heads. That's why this thing about having, making sure our young people are prepared for a world that's not happy to meet them. And then listening to the rhetoric that calls them dogs, rapists, gangsters. Being parented by female dogs, sons of female dogs, right? Faith comes by hearing, whether it's this pulpit or a bully pulpit. Why is all all of our people dumb, sons of female dogs, and these other people on the other side, when we're talking about the Charlotte's people, they're fine people. Now let's get one of these, one of these, both of these things can't be wrong. Okay. You have a problem with me kneeling to a flag, but you don't have a problem with them carrying a flag that was a flag of a con- of, of a treasonous part of our country that broke off to protect an institution and they lost but that's history but here we got a problem so one of these come on now just make it make sense all right that's you just i just want you to hear your pastor's pet peeves okay so this this is the kind of stuff i tell my white friends okay and i'm not mad at them i'm not i'm not angry i'm not okay so when 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 Mordecai and Esther were saying Hebrew lives mattered, they didn't say other person lives didn't matter. So if they could stand up for Hebrew lives and God stood up with them, why are you tripping? Because I'm telling you black lives matter. I didn't say your life didn't. That Bible you read showed people standing up for the lives of the people that look like them. That were being systematically destroyed. I I didn't say you was a problem. All right. That's for all of you people out there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, Pastor David, why is this important? Because I'm sending my young people in a world. And I got to make sure they got the wisdom to deal with the deal that they got to deal with. have sheets out in our vestibule that tell you what, what, do, what do we do, what do you do if you're pulled over by a cop. Son, you can't have everybody in the car. Because if they get in the car and they got some, all y'all going down, then you're going to get in my pocket trying to get you out. No, nah, you can't have a ride, bruh My parents done told me. I'm not gonna lose my right to ride. Riding you. Both of us be walking. No. <laughs> see, I have to I have to explain to them that. See, in this transition, and then I gotta trust them, but I still got to give them enough room. But I can't have them damage them and me. Because I'm trying to spend everything I got trying to get them out and put them at the mercy of an unmerciful system. All right, so as they get through this period, we wanna make sure that we're checking how they're growing. Don't let your children have access to the accounts without accountability. Grade them. The world's gonna grade them. How are they handling stuff? And then learn to project. Insurance people look at certain factors and then they determine how how much we're going to cost to insure you. Why aren't you looking at the, listen, this one ain't good with money. You are not being mean with them to protect them from themselves. That's not mean. Look at Luke 16 and 10. One of my favorite scriptures is out of the King James, Luke 16 and 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. So um, I can look at how you treat small things now to know how you will treat big things later. Isn't that what that said? If I can if I can cultivate in you care for the small thing now then I can be confident that you can handle the bigger thing later I'm telling the Lord I I say Lord I'm so faithful over the members you gave me now you can trust me with a mega church Now you can do with it what you want I'm just telling you when I when <laughs> The Lord told me when I was making way much less than I'm making now that if I can demonstrate my faithfulness with what I had at that level, he could take me all the way to millions. I read that scripture and say, Lord, I'm going to prove to you that I can handle, right, small things well so that I can be trusted with bigger things later. Okay? So... I said, Lord, I'm believing you to take me to 1,000 times more. There's a scripture in, in, in Deuteronomy, and, the Lord, and Moses said, I think it's Deuteronomy chapter 1, the Lord make you a 1,000 times more as, as he promised you. Then the Lord said, okay, then, then when you blew $5 on that Happy Meal, I'm treating it like you just blew $5,000. Ah, because if you're in just with the five, you're going to be unjust with the 5,000. Okay. See, then you got to start managing, and that's the stuff we have to start teaching our young people, right? That's what we mean when we say that we want son, which is builder of the family name, which is heir apparent to be the builder of the family name. We want them to know how to manage resources and grow the resources of the family because one day they're going to be the ones responsible for it, and we want to make sure they know how to care for it when it's their time in the driver's seat. And listen, that's at whatever level you are. Whatever you've got, whatever you've accumulated, you don't want them to treat stuff like it's junk. Right? All right. Now, um, if your child is allowed to mishandle an asset without respect to the time and labor utilized to make that asset available to them, then your wealth will be gone in less than three generations. Let it be known to them that if you don't put in, you won't get out. Tell your children, listen, honey, I love you, but if I don't see better stewardship and care for stuff, you might not be happy at the reading of my will. Tell them, don't let them get shocked at the end. Don't let them be mad when you're in a grave. Tell them when they can fix it. Listen, I'm grading. How you clean stuff, how you pay bills, I'm grading. Yes, I am. Because I'm not gonna let it be gone. Talking to one of my nieces, don't have many. So it's a very small con- it's, a very <laughs> it's, a, it's a very small group. <laughs> it's only two two chances, heads or tails. <laughs> And I was saying, you know, I said, I said, I've been, I've been assessing. And I'm like, man, I like, you know, my nieces tend to do better in some cases than my nephews at hustling and making their own way. Seem like the women can somehow pull their act together and kind of pull their straps along and do a little something, something. Then I had to say, man, something happened. I don't know, bros. I'm helping them the best I can now. I want them to get what I've learned, not what I've earned. Once I know that you can handle, once I know that you can handle, then we can start talking about more. But I read this scripture, and I'm like, God, I need to know that you know what you're doing. You give me your word, okay, you do this, and then then you forget about it? Because I'm not hounding you? All right. I know it's quiet up in this church, but I'm telling you something. This is serious. See, once they are, if you teach them the principles to accumulate wealth, then they're going to want to take those principles and and. And then develop them and get their own wealth. And once they appreciate their own labor, then they appreciate their, your labor. Once they know how to sign their name and make it stick, they'll appreciate when you sign your name. But if all they've done is sit back and get whatever you could give them, they not appreciate. They won't appreciate their labor, and they won't appreciate yours. And your stuff will be squandered. Hallelujah. All right? So the the next part that we want to deal with in the development of this sonship-daughter level is the development of personal vision. What I I get really discouraged with is, like, if I ask a young child, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Their face lights up, and then they tell you, I want to do such and such. And somewhere along the line, particularly um, in our young African American males, somewhere that spark goes out if we're not careful. And when they get older, they lose the spark that says, I want to be, okay? And then they just, I don't know, I need to get a job. That's not vision. So we want them to, to, the one thing that was special about me, and I don't consider myself special, is I never lost my spark. I'm not perfect, but I never lost my spark. I never got to the point where I'm just doing a job to make a living. I still have vision. Some of the vision is stuff that God showed me in this coming this 12 to 17 period, and I'm still walking it out today. Sat down with, uh, with my bishop, Bishop Gideon Thompson, and he's like, I'm 72, but I'm still reaching for the vision that God gave me when I started this ministry. I said, see, I'm hanging with the right people. I'm not hanging with somebody that's just trying to get old and collect checks. I ain't mad at collecting checks. But he's still reaching for something. Look at Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men, your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. They will see pictures of their purpose like Daniel uh, like um, um, Jeremiah saw him being a, himself being a prophet. Like Joseph saw his brother's sheaves bowing down to them. They saw a picture of their future, they, and they begin to move their life along that direction. That's what you're looking for. You don't want them to get out the house and then figure, I just need a job. Because if you don't have a vision for yourself, oh, believe me, the world system got a vision for you. they're they're planning and plotting prisons now that sounds like a conspiracy is that biblical yes conspiracies are all in the bible okay so we need them to get their own vision and begin to move towards it all right now we're going to talk about shifting towards marriage and multiply family you start the transition from childhood to sonship before adulthood But it continues into adulthood as well. Parents, parental authorities, guide, guard, and govern, protect, direct, and correct. You need to reach far enough into the sonship transition that you become a man and put away childish things. Right? Put away your boy toys. If you need a minivan, don't go out and buy a Corvette. Now, That sounds funny, but I'm telling you, brothers do it. They call it midlife crisis. You know, their gut hanging over skinny jeans. (laughs) I'm I'm just saying. (laughs) They want to be something, and then they try to go back and get something. Listen, I can't go back and act like I'm in high school. Now, listen, I enjoy going back down to campus with my daughter because now I got cash. I'm an alumni. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, back then I was ramen noodles and peanut butter, you know, because peanut butter, you can stick. You can take a little bit. You can lay it on real thick. You let that stuff coat, man, it's going to take you a while to digest that. So you're going to be full for a minute. Okay, I ain't gotta do that when I head back to campus. I can roll in, I'm an alumni. But I'm not trying to live my life, live her life. Now I can't I can't go back and do college parties. I'm too old. Stop it. Grow up. And that's not just male. You see sisters with them little you know, thigh dresses on, you can't even wear them. Your legs ain't built for that no more. Stop it. <laughs> just stop it. Okay? It's not just men. You're you not, you not even in the same place no more. But they're trying to get their groove back and go back and be what they should have done. If you haven't done it now, you can't go back and get it. Just keep it moving. Right? So you shift to put away the childish thing. As a man, then you separate from your father and mother to become a husband. Right? Now, you can't be at the new house running back home to mama to solve all your problems. Your wife will not be happy. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth right so you want to get all your growing up done before you take this household on and really decide listen i can't (laughs) i can't be deciding whether or not i want to go to work dumb days is over you understand what i'm saying brothers don't make economic sense and then he's still trying to get his hustle Listen, your days of being a rap star are over. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) Listen, you're in the wrong place, and it is definitely the wrong time. That dream should be gone. Let it go. I got responsibilities. I'm going to just leave my job and chase my dream. What? You put away the childish thing now because, you see, your boy toy's got to go. You got to handle responsibility. And then you can't be mad at the people that you're responsible for. You can't come home mad every day with the people you're responsible for, for a responsibility you signed up for. That's some heavy teaching, y'all, but I'm telling you, people don't get this right. And then they carry all of those anger issues, all those things, into marriage. And then they put them off on the next generation. And sometimes we're mad at them because they have the opportunities that we squandered. Or we hate. we so mean at them because we're trying to beat out of them stuff we hate about ourselves. So then we be, we... We perpetuate a cycle of brokenness. Broken people produce another generation of broken people. All right. Now, parents, in this shift, we've already talked about the, a man, le- the leave and cleave principle. That's why Bishop DeBerris used to talk. To leave and cleave, David. Leave and cleave. Let it go. Move on. Okay. Um, so what was good parenting before becomes witchcraft when God, when it's separation. Now you're trying to manipulate an independent household. You can't, you can't dictate. So now you manipulate. See, you gonna. now. You used to could tell them all of this stuff and do this and be here and do that. But you can't do that no more. Now, if you start to try to do that in their own house, you in sin, heaven's against you. Let me say that again. Heaven's against you. Okay, let me say it one more time because faith comes by hearing and hearing. Heaven's against you. All right? You can't even be the one who selects the spouse of your child. Hold it, Pastor David. Hold it, hold it. Abraham selected for Isaac. Are you sure? He gave criteria, but he didn't make a choice. He said, this is what can be within bounds. This is out of bounds. But he didn't say, this is the one. Because you're not the one going to have to sleep with him every night and wake up with him every morning. Let's look at. Genesis 24, 7. Christ is in us. We're Abraham's seed. We're heirs according to the promise. So this is Abraham talking. He says, the Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me saying to your descendants, I give this land. He will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. God will, send, God will send his angels before you. Now, listen, uh, when I talk about, you know, engaging increase to intercessory prayer, when I'm praying over that daughter of mine, I'm invoking the blessing of Abraham, that angels are making sure that whoever bro-man is is finding her and keeping her away from all the knuckleheads. I can't decide it, but my intercessing can go before, because that's what Abraham had done. He didn't decide the one, but the providence of God sent his servant to the right woman, to the right house. That wasn't an accident, but he had sent his prayer out before, okay? Okay. So I want you to understand that you're not there telling them, okay, this one is it and that one's not. But you should be praying and giving them principles so that they can see flags of what they can and cannot live with. Right? Jacob's parents, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob listened to his parents to go to the right place for a wife. Isaac, Esau, his brother's wives, grieved his parents. So listen, you want (laughs) to, and what was the grief? They weren't in line with the covenant that God and their promise that was on his life. Let's look at Genesis 28, verses 6 to 8. Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Paddan Aram to take himself a wife from there. And that he also, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge saying, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padanaram. Also, Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please his father Isaac he got some heathen wives and they grieved his parents because once you marry into the family now good bad ugly you stuck with all of them and all of their issues because you married them and their history okay so we're not trying to get to the point where you know we're doing the matchmaking, but we are trying to give some boundaries within this group. There's enough there that you can find one that really works for you, but they need to be within certain guidelines. You start choosing, then you're going to get in foul with God, okay? Now, um, give them the wisdom on a spouse. Just like Solomon's mother told him about who can find a virtuous woman and describe character traits that was in her. That passage in Proverbs 31 was a mother talking to a son about finding the right wife. Okay. Principles. Not trying to run your life. Listen, that's witchcraft. We can't do that. But you're going to be the one crying if you don't take the wisdom that's there. Now take it and process it because you're the one going to have to live with it. You're going to have to leave and then once you cleave, then don't come back home crying. That didn't beat the wrong one. Nope, nope. You made that bed. When they come back home like that, unless it's violence involved. When it's violence involved, then I demand a recall. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I will pull the card if you getting violent. Don't get it twisted, and I'm coming agile, mobile, and hostile. But Other than that, y'all need to work it out. Does it make sense? All right. Okay? Um, and by all means, give them biblical criteria, not your own preference. By all means, give them biblical criteria, not your own preference. I was studying this, and Dolores said, for some dads, unless the intended is Jesus Jr., he can't be good enough to marry their daughter. I'm not preaching to you, now; I'm preaching to me. Don't mind me. I'm, I'm preaching to me. Yeah. So make sure the criteria is something that God can approve, not just stuff. Right, because it's just like, listen, if we all wait for perfect people to marry, none of us would be married. Just like we all wait for perfect people or the perfect church, none of us would go to church. And if we got there, we would mess it up because we aren't perfect. Okay, what we want is people that are committed to the principles of God, walking in destiny, believe that God has for them, and committed to live a life according to his principles together, right? Say amen, if that, that makes sense to you. All right. Um, but remember now, once, once they form, parents, you got to step back. They are now their own kingdom household. They are a new unit. Two individuals have now become a new one. And you got to give them the time and the space to grow together and work through their own issues. You can't manage that on remote control from your house. See, I knew that was the wrong one. Stop it. You're not helping. What you need to do is this. Make sure you're here in God and not just in your flesh. Don't get crosswise of God. Because you're in your feelings. My boy shouldn't have to take this. Jesus took a cross for his wife, and then all you doing is making him come home and still be your boy and not his own man and husband. Pastor David, that's some good preaching. I should get an offering from from the ladies on that one, I'm just saying. (laughs) All right. Now, parents, what is your role to grown, married children? Do you have no role? No, you you can have a role, Um, and that role has some range to it as well. Some people are just grandparents. That means they birth you your own household. They can come babysit the kids, but they can't help. What you want to do is grow to the point where you're not just a grandparent but that you are a patriarch and a matriarch in your family. That means there's still enough wisdom and enough credibility that you have and enough sensitivity and sensibility that you can speak life into a marriage, not death into your child's marriage. And not everybody has that. See, talking to Bishop, I was in, in West Middlesex this weekend and talking to Bishop Thompson, and he's there talking about how he grew a church, and it's now somewhere five to seven, 7,000 roughly. Son has a church of 10,000 in North Carolina, and his son is still asking his dad, how do I get there from here? That's because he's a real patriarch. He is pushing out. And he still has wisdom that the son recognized that will help him get to the next stage. He's his own church. He's managing his own thing. Bishop Thompson is not even managing the church that he gave to his son, let alone the one that that his other son founded on his own, but he has wisdom that they need. Patriarch. Hear the difference? And you got to win that one in prayer, man. You got to win that in having real wisdom and having real credibility and being able to have real relationships where you don't dictate. Told me his vision, and then I talked to him. And I said, I remember y'all had this property here. He said, man, yeah, we Matt sold that. He said, I wouldn't have done that, but... He's at the wheel. I got to let him make decisions. I can't I can't veto. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, listen. You can't put me at the wheel, and then you still want to drive from the other seat. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm trying to tell you, because you want to grow a family, we're talking about destiny generations, and you want God to do what he did with Abraham, give you a destiny that begins to roll out over generations, then you got to keep advancing. And you got to be okay with your children advancing. This servant that went to find a wife for Rebekah said, God made my master rich, and everything God gave to my master, he turned it over to his son. Abraham wasn't running stuff then. Isaac was. Go back and read your Bible. And there was enough spiritual principle in what Abraham had put in front of Isaac that when Abraham was going, Isaac was still following those principles. Let's read it. Genesis 26, 18. And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. There are certain truths. Now, this this gets back to what first Timothy or Second Timothy chapter one in verses five through seven talked about this generational faith. The the faith that your grandmother had, Eunice is also in your mother Lois, and it's in you. From a child, they taught you the Holy Scriptures. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word. He didn't get faith any way different than they got it, but they heard; he heard the word that, that they heard, and he walked in the faith that they walked in. Eunice was a matriarch. She translated a faith into them that kept going to her third generation. Abraham here was a patriarch, all right? Now, let's look at one more scripture, and then we're done for today. Proverbs 22 and 28. And it says, do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. You know, my pastor Samuel Timothy Turner had a message. Landmark. Landmark. And landscape, and that was one of his. That was one of his signature sermons. And um, it talked about the fact that there were certain truths and principles that the fathers have said. Okay, God has used me, right? A, an apostle founded our original work. But God has given me an apostolic assignment, and I have relayed the foundation in certain areas while maintaining the foundation that was built and building on it in others. I'm not the first one here that built, that created the concept around generations. But the terminology of destiny, that's foundation I'm laying. Okay? Okay? So in the generations following, they gotta be careful if they move away from these things that I'm setting. That's what that's saying. Like, bought a book, What Google Can't Give, and went to a lesson about you know, engaging millennials, particularly African-American millennials. And one of the things they said is, you know, millennials don't like gender-based ministry. You know, men of destiny and women of destiny. Because some of them are gender confused. And then I have to decide, what am I willing to fail by? I'm not mad at you because you're confused. But just because you're confused don't mean I'm confused. And some things I don't have the right to move the landmark from. Even if it means my ministry is smaller, because I can't move the landmark that my fathers have set. Pastor David, why do you, even though your bishop is gone to heaven, why do you still follow after men of God that you consider at the next level of ministry? I'm a spiritual father at one level but I'm not yet at the patriarch level that a bishop or apostle would be. I have to be a spiritual father to walk at the level that I am as your pastor. That's why in certain denominations, they would call the person that that fulfills my role father so-and-so. But while I am a father, I'm not yet at that next level. So I'm letting people at the next level make sure my stuff is good. not because I don't know who I am or what I'm called to do, any more than you being a parent, you being a man, leaving your parents and having your own household, your checking with a patriarch doesn't mean that you're not your own father and husband. It just means that you recognize that there are people that have levels beyond you, and God does something for you if you honor them and receive from them. Now, they got to know when it's time to back off. Remember when we was there earlier in our transition, I was having a meeting. Pastor said, pa said, you need my help? I said, nope. Mm-mm, I got this one. And she had to know it was time to back off. Okay, that, that wasn't a bad thing. It just, no. You train me for this hour. You equip me for this hour. I'm anointed. And you appointed me. I can handle this one. Right? So the same thing is true as we move in these other spaces, but we still need the guidance of people who are further on. Now, I'm working because I want to be at that next level. Let's just be clear about that thing. I'm trying to get us through certain paces so that we can continue to move and spread out even further. But I got to you can't skip steps. Spiritually, there is no elevator that takes you. You got to take one step at a time, okay? You got to keep jump, you got to keep walking up and let God move you in those. So we're believing that as our children mature, we'll have the wisdom to guide them into adulthood and when they come to the point of multiplying, we will have continued to move forward that we can continue to intercede, lead and guide but in a leading leaders not just leading followers. Does that make sense? Right? Hallelujah. You know, I'm enjoying in our parenting, seeing, making the transition. I'm enjoying understanding. God's teaching me. Okay, sometimes I got this. Bruh, you can step back. You don't have to be all up in the grill. Okay, I don't want to hear any amen over there. I feel some... I feel something on that side of the room. Huh? <laughs> okay. You know, you understand what I mean? I, I, I have to learn, and it's a learning experience for me. But I get confidence because I see growth and I see maturity, and I see an independent adult stepping in in front of my eyes, and I have all the confidence in the world that she'll continue making the changes that God has for her to make. I'm going to be there, but when he tells me I got this, then he's telling me, okay, step back. I, I can still talk to her. Amen? All right.